Hello, my friend, and welcome to this two-part series of A Call to Leadership. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, your host, and I am so glad you are here. We have problems in our businesses every single day. One of them is when we are or work for someone who has a high level of command and control mentality, cannot let go the dictator in the room. It's a problem. And it can be a cancer in an organization. I've invited Joe Thompson to share his story regarding how we can identify and help people overcome this massive obstacle. Sometimes we don't even know we have it. Sometimes it's a blind spot. So listen in. I can't wait for you to do that. And then the second part on 177 is help. I work for a stoic, a person who is indifferent to pain to pleasure is someone who is so strong and confident and unwavering that they forget to be vulnerable and walk in humility. I can't wait for you to listen in. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership. Joe Thompson, welcome back. Nice to be back. A lot of entrepreneurs wonder if they are in the right lane when they're leading a business. And In preparation for that, I looked up some statistics on misconceptions about business leadership. There's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. A couple came to mind and I want to share with our audience and have you and I spend time just talking through the mechanics of this and how we can overcome these misconceptions. Here's one prominent one that someone listening right now is probably like, oh yeah, that's me or I work for someone like that. Or I think that. Or I think that. Or I've left a company because of that. It's the command and control mentality. And here's what the stat shows that business leadership, and this is a misconception, requires a command and control mentality where the leader has all the answers and makes all the decisions. In reality, we know it affects so many other things. It affects collaboration, empowerment, adaptation learning from others. It's not solely about giving orders and expecting what? 100% compliance. Even in the military, that's not the case. You think, oh, that's the case, but there's so much more involved in our approach to leadership. So inspiration, empowerment, fostering trust, hello, communication, hello. How about where we can value one another's perspectives? Let's break that down, man. Have you seen in your journey as a leader over all the many ways that you've had an opportunity to both lead and follow where command and control mentality was considered to be a requisite? So when I go into a company, that's usually what has developed into a problem. Okay. So even when you have breaking a company down into departments or divisions or however it is, when you have that one person who's commanding everything is not receiving any feedback. Like when it's only going one direction, you're not leading. You're fear mongering, maybe. If you're the boss, that's what you're doing. So, yeah, I see that becoming a huge problem because sometimes when a person in charge of a company or an entrepreneur thinks about leadership, They think of the most extreme version of what it has to be in order to get people to do what you want them to do. And the first thing they should do is just take a step back and make sure you are leading and you're not just 
strangling people into doing what you need them to do. I wonder where some of that comes from. Like you might say, there's an old saying, you've heard this, and I know others have heard this, that power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. It's an interesting phrase. There's another one that it's not absolute power that corrupts, it's the fear of the loss power that corrupts. Mm-hmm. You wonder sometimes what's happening in someone's journey as a leader is that there's fear. It's a legitimate fear because sometimes I don't know if I let go of this command and control, if our performance will tank, if our ideals will be destroyed, if our service and our experience will actually be delivered. And so from that position, someone might think, I've got a valid concern. The problem is, as you know, when you have any problems, you've laid your business on the wrong foundation. Yeah, we're talking about a huge sliding scale. Okay. So when you brought up the point about fear, you immediately think of like dictatorship, right? Like they want to stay in power. So what do they do? They beat down the masses until everyone is too afraid to try and submission, right? Total submission or destroying people, right? I mean, in a dictatorship, people die a lot. In other words, in a business, they are terminated or sent to the mailroom. Or if you work in the mailroom, I'm not saying this is derogatory. So, so when we scale that down from like a big political scene and we just apply it to your business, whether you know it's a small business, a family-owned business, or it's a big business, leadership has to be at the same level regardless of the size of your business, the size of your company, right? Mm-hmm. So... When you think of that big sliding scale and you think about where like that total control kind of mentality, like how corruptive it does become, you know, when you look at those big scales, it's doing the same thing, just on a lesser scale. And instead of destroying the population or another political party, you're destroying your business. Always look inward first. Like if something's wrong with your business, quit looking around at everybody. All right. Take a look and and take a real deep, like honest look at yourself and say, hey, am I the kind of person that I would want to follow? So we've talked sometimes on the consulting business when we go in, we kind of want that absolute power, but we're only doing that to remove that control from the people who are corrupting the company with it, right? right? So we're not doing it to take it over. We're just removing that aspect of it because once we have all the control, then we can say, okay, now it's time to collaborate. Indeed. Yeah. Because there's a, what we call a hierarchical hegemony. Easy for you to say. Easy for me to say. It's $5 word. But it's just a system of dominance. And so I've seen this in visionary leaders and many leaders who have approached just a high level of success. If you can imagine a triangle at the very top is control. And what the desire is with that control is to create order. And so through order, we can create our desired end result, harmony, perfection, some outcome, performance. Part of the problem is that control at the macro level is acceptable, but control at the micro level is unacceptable. Not only that, it's unsustainable. Mm -hmm. And so we have this super tight grip. Perhaps it's someone listening. I know I've had a tight grip in such a way that like, I'm so afraid that the experience and the expectations won't be met. The problem is, is that I haven't created systems and processes so that I can get out of the way of this business operating 
as a business. Because if I'm the one constantly dictating, where does that leave everyone? Completely demolished. Not only that, but like fear, I think, is requires so much energy. And if I'm expending energy in anything other than performing at my highest levels, then I am inefficient. I want to touch on what you just said, because this is one thing that all leaders have to accept. And the scenario would be, you've taken a hard look at yourself and you're like, okay, you know, I need to release some of this control at this micro level. So, you know, I'm going to set up my managers and we're going to start collaborating and that's going to move our business forward. And you give it three, six months and it doesn't move the business forward. What do you do? You want to tighten control, right? Instead of let it fail, just let that fail, right? That's not working. Now, how do you turn a failure into success? You keep going. So it's not to tighten it more. It's actually for more collaboration, more communication, more outside influence, more outside help, more training. It's releasing even more of the control over something. There's going to be like a rock star person that for his business, he's had all the answers and he's went against all the naysayers and We talk about this a lot of time that some guys will accomplish many things that would take other people a lifetime to just do, and they do it all once. But those people are enigmas. They're very, very rare. And they have leadership. I call it leadership through knowledge. They're at a forefront of something that no one really knows about. And they're like, hey, I have faith in this guy, and I'm going to go into this forefront with him. And he's the only guy with the knowledge about it. So that's where that differentiates. But our panic button, we hit that panic button when things aren't going the way we want them to go. And we're like, okay, that's it. I'm going in there and I am just putting a hold on that thing and I'm going to control every aspect of it so no one makes a mistake. And you're right back where you started. It reminds me of the old saying that I think is probably one of the most misused and deadly uh, statements that you can make in a business. Everyone has heard it. Someone listening is going to say, yeah. If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. Yeah. Unfortunately, you'll have a lot of people that say, well, yeah, that's the case. Oh, yeah. Which is the opposite. means you don't have eight players and you don't have trust in the people around you. So two biggies there. Am I hurt to hear that? Because I've been that person in the past. You might have been that person. Like, I'm just going to knock it out because I know it'll get done. The problem is that you're working backwards. And as you said, you have not brought the right people and the right systems in place to do the work as well as it should be done. Because honestly, the way I see it is if you want something done right, you hire better people to do it than you can do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm asked all the time, you know, how do we scale this? What's the magic dust you're going to sprinkle all over everything to scale it? And we can do that. Like we can come up with a great strategy and we can project you know, as far out as we want to on how we can scale a certain business or what kind of business model do we need in order to make it easily scalable. But where does it fall back into every time? It's your players, right? Who you have in the game with you. And you as a leader should be, instead of dictating to people, you should be leaning on them. If you're hiring people that you can't lean on or can't trust, like your hiring process is wrong. And, you know, I hate to say this because I feel like I repeat this all the time. If you create a small revolving door of employees coming and going because they don't match, That's way better than just holding on to someone like he's not getting it, but if we just keep at it, he's not getting it, but if we just keep at it, I don't mind bringing someone in, giving them a shot and 
Maybe you find the diamond in a rough. Maybe you don't. And you're best to part ways because in the end, unless you have a 100% digital business that you're controlling, if there's any interaction with people to people, you need the right people. You need the right people. Yeah. Unless you have the philosophy of stay small and keep it all. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're the technician, and you're the back office, and you're the sales department. And there are folks who are like that. Yeah. It's a super small business. It's totally cool. Let's play a game. This is a game is called, <laughs> you know you're a command and control dictator when. All right. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. You kick it off. Oh, man. You know you're a command and control dictator when you find yourself in the mailroom telling people, how to sort mail. Yikes. Right? If you're not there to observe like how it's done because you want to understand the business better, if you're actually there because you got a letter with someone else's name on it and now you're going to go down there and fix the problem, yeah, you've gone to the dark side at that point. (laughs) And that might be the most basis of an example as I can make. And I say it kind of laughingly, but I have seen owners of company directing the janitors mm. hey make sure you put the and these are good size companies so that's a big show there you made a good point of there's a difference between going down you can go down there you should be down there. yes the observation and perhaps then speaking with a supervisor at a supervisory level to have a conversation back to communication about an expectation that perhaps isn't met, there should be that level of interaction with your business. However, there's a point where you are not being a good influencer, a person who is actually helping people to reach their potential by dictating every aspect of their job. Now, that should be done at the performance and procedural level. Mm -hmm. But that shouldn't necessarily... Now, unless you're a trainer, but this is not what we're talking about. No. Not at all. So there's no passes on, you know who you are. Oh, you know. (laughs) You are a command and control dictator when you only find out that someone had a problem with their job until after they leave. Because people won't ever feel as though it's safe enough in your organization to share their challenges they face, perhaps even with you. And so you lose great people because they just can't work with someone who doesn't give them, number one, an ability to share how they're not progressing, an ability to work in the kind of autonomy that A players need, the ability to truly master their work, and to truly have a sense of purpose that's beyond your every change and challenge of how they do their work at the microscopic level. It happens all the time. People aren't able to share what they believe can improve the organization because in a command and control dictatorship, they know that it will likely be met with some kind of swift retribution, some kind of resistance, perhaps even an emotional tirade because not always, but generally speaking, emotional intelligence goes right along with command and control dictatorship. And it's an inverse relationship, by the way. So if if that's you and you've got a command and control, don't pat yourself on the back saying that, oh, I'm so emotionally intelligent. It's the opposite, usually. You're not self-regulating. You're not self-aware. You have no understanding of how your motivation and the type of motivation you have impact others. And you lose great people. 
it's such a tragedy too because great people want to feel as though they can contribute in a way that betters everyone's success. And you don't have to do a whole lot to help them to flourish. You simply have to provide them with the why, with the what, and the how, and the when. Of course, the where too. Okay, I got one. You're a command control dictator, leader. When someone asks you how your day was, and your response is, just been putting out fires all day. (laughs) Putting out fires all day. Um, And you'll see people almost physically running from one spot to the other because they're putting out these fires all day. That is such a lack of leadership. I mean, that's just the culmination of everything failing because people don't know the direction the ship is moving. They're not all rowing in the same direction. And that's a reflection of you. Like if it's your business, it's a reflection of you. So if you're putting out fires, you started those fires. Not Betty in accounting, not Jim over in controls. You started those fires because you've lacked the leadership that created a structure that caused enough collaboration and communication that keeps those fires from starting. Whether it's customer service or product problem or a ripple someone makes that affects a whole bunch of different companies. In good leadership, good leadership is calm. You know what I mean? Good leadership, you're relaxed because you know you have the support to get done what you need to get done, right? Mm -hmm. Good leaders aren't running around like chickens with their head cut off. Are they busy? Yes. Are they busy putting out fires? No, they're busy making visions. You know, they're busy growing the company. They're not busy cleaning up messes. Yeah, and I think what goes along with that is often a high level of frustration from the command and control dictatorial leader. They are generally high stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see the veins popping and you think that an aneurysm is impending. If you're staring at your ceiling at night trying to fall asleep because you got a million things running around in your head, you have not led your team. You don't have the things in place that need to be in place to give you that peace of mind where mm-hmm. I can just lay down, go to sleep. I know tomorrow, you know, my team's going to come in. Everybody's going to handle everything. You know, there'll be some obstacles we have to overcome, but we'll do them together. Why take on a problem by yourself? You have a whole team. What are you hiring people for? That's good. All right, one more. You know you're a command and control dictatorial leader when you tell people, I don't pay you to think. <laughs> I pay you to work. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this actually happened to me. Back when I first started, was I a command and control dictatorial leader? Maybe I felt like I wanted to be one. I only had one employee, Henry. <laughs> It was my check cashing booth. It was 1995. I was 21 years old. I thought it'd be cool to tell him that because he was telling me about new ways that he thinks he could do things. And I said, Henry, I'm going to tell you this once. <laughs> I must have seen it in a movie, some kind of mafia movie. I don't pay you to think. I pay you to work. That's probably one of the dumbest things I've ever said in my life. It sounded really good at the time, but then I realized, yeah, that's bad. I mean, if he doesn't think, what's going to happen When he has to make a decision, basically what you're saying is, I will think for you. I will make your decisions for you. I don't trust you to do your work. Really, that's what you're saying because you have to think when you work. Mm -hmm. But it's the idea that I am always going to have the best answers. Mm -hmm. And it's an exercise in futility as a leader. Someone listening is like, I've never done that before. 
Well, hold on a second. Maybe you've said it in a different way. Maybe it wasn't so overt. Variations of it. Yeah. There's softer ways to totally degrade someone's abilities. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to make a confession on that. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes when there's been a massive collaboration effort, right? So you've gotten everyone's input. You've created the system. And everyone agrees how it's going to move forward. There's always that one person (laughs) that is like, hey, but what about this? If we do this and that person is never in the collaboration part of it, you'll notice this. Like, look around your company. There's this person. They're not in the collaboration portion of it. What they want to say is. I can do this better than all of you that have collaborated on it. It's kind of a reverse of what we're talking about when it comes from an employee. So there has been times where I've said, don't think about it. We've already thought about it. We've already collaborated about it. So like, if you want to be in that collaboration meeting, be in there. But after the fact that you want to undermine something, because sometimes it's, when you're in the process of doing something, it's easy to look in there and go, oh, maybe we should change this. Like, that's easy. When you don't see it, when you're trying to put it together on paper or whiteboard, whatever it is, um, that's the hard part of the collaboration. Yeah. Don't come in later and be like, yeah, I can do it better than all of you guys because I can see this would be better now that I can see this. That's a cancerous person. Yeah. So someone listening is not a command and control leader. They are an employee. Mm -hmm. And they're listening to say, boy, you've just described my work environment to the T. And I don't know if I should even be working here, which is a real concern. That's more fear. It's more fear. Yeah, it's more fear. And more energy expended to not perform at my very best. Mm -hmm. If you're a consultant, you go into a company and you've encountered this kind of leadership. Can this kind of leader be changed? Yes. Yeah. I don't think there's any person who has had enough wherewithal to be an entrepreneur or enough grit and self-confidence to start a company or even be in the leadership part of a company. I think people like that, they have that same grit and that same confidence to change. If it's presented to them in a way And this is that part where I say, you know, you got to take the emotion out of it. It's got to be a very logical reason to consider changing. And it's hard to get people to stop an action, but you can have them replace that action with something else. You know, instead of this, let's try it this way. Let's do it this way. And you'll see as they buy into the ideology of what you're doing, then when they start to get the big picture of, oh, this is much easier on me. I'm not up late at night. I did have to make some changes about the way I approached the business, but it almost always, and business is a tough thing to talk about because you can't ever say anything in absolutes. There's always a scenario where everything we're saying is completely wrong. (laughs) I agree. So there's always that scenario where it doesn't improve. But from my experience, I have always seen it improve once we get that leadership, like working as part of the company and not just stomping a foot on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if that's you, don't lose hope. There's a way out. Think about what got you there. Yeah. You probably weren't like that when you were 
imagining what you wanted your business to be, you probably never said to yourself, hey, I want this as a business. And when I get there, I'm going to lead it with an iron fist. You probably didn't think about that portion of it. That's something that develops because when you begin to face hurdles, you start attacking them hurdles yourself. And once you get over one doing it yourself, you think, okay, for the rest of my life, this is what I have to do. I have to go over every hurdle myself. And now you find yourself with a team around you and like you're still banging your shins on hurdles. There's no reason for it. That's right. So get a good consultant to help you walk through it. It never hurts. Never hurts. Somebody or a mentor, someone who can help you to recognize and release control. Even like, what does karate mean? Empty hand. Empty hand. Why is the hand empty? Doesn't need a weapon. That's right. That's the thing. Well, my friend, we did it. I'm so honored you were able to join me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. Now, this might not be for everyone because you really have to be in a certain place in order to take the kind of steps to level up your leadership. And I want you to be taking steps. And for those of you who feel like you're ready for something like this, there's a place you can go. You can go to our website, greatsummit.com. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. But here's the cool thing that we have. We've got a masterclass. We have all different kinds of events. We even have our leadership club where you can meet other people just like you to go deeper in your leadership journey. You and I will get to spend some time together and really focus on aiming for greatness. I can't wait to see you there. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership.